Hello, this is Dr. Tia Barnes, and welcome to the Scholarly Self-Care Podcast, where we will talk all about the SEL, or social-emotional learning, in self-care. This podcast is for educators, parents, and caregivers of children and youth. Each week, we will talk about your well-being to put you in a better space to support the well-being of the children in your life. Ready to get started? Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome back, everyone, to another week of the podcast. I'm so glad to be back, and I have survived week one of school. So it has been a very interesting week. The girls did finally get the hang of things. I think we're more or less starting to create some sort of routine, still working through things, but we made it. Um, things are starting to settle down a little bit more this week. In terms of tasks for me at work, our drop ad time frame is about done. And so I'll get a good sense of who's going to be staying in the class and who's not. And that will also help because those first couple weeks are tricky. You have new students coming in where typically when you're teaching in person, you know, you may say, okay, well, these are the activities you missed or here's the lecture you missed if you recorded it. But now that it's all online and I'm more or less moving through modules, I have people who say just joined yesterday or today and we're now in the third week of classes and I'm thinking, okay, how do I go back? And I can open up the modules for them, of course, but things like the discussions that have already gone on and things like that, they can review it, but it's difficult to really be a part of that. And so just working through those details has been interesting over the last couple weeks. But I am glad to say things are slowing down and moving forward. And so today, one of the things that I wanted to bring forth and talk to you about was about anxiety. Because I think, especially in this time, anxiety is much higher than it probably has been in the past. And for good reason, we are in the middle of a pandemic and life is just ever changing nowadays. We don't really have a set routine as much. I know for me, I definitely don't have too much of a set routine. Even as I talk about falling into a routine with the girls, I'm sure that's going to change. I think the longest that I've held on to routines of late is probably two months and then things need to change again. And so with all of the changes happening, with all of the uncertainty, that's of course going to heighten anxiety. And for those who typically have anxiety anyway, uh, you may be in a much worse place. And so I wanted to talk to you today about some things that you can do to help in reducing some of the anxiety that you may have and what to do if you feel like you need some additional support around that. So the first thing I wanted to do is just talk a little bit about what is anxiety. I think we've all heard the term before, but, you know, just in case you're you're newer to it or you've heard somebody always uh, mention this idea of having anxiety as it equates to just feeling a little worried. So I wanted to, to provide that. So the first thing with anxiety is it's your body's reaction to stressful situations, to situations that are unfamiliar and also to dangerous situations. And so thinking about 
where we currently at, of course, it's going to be normal since the situations we're in right now are stressful and unfamiliar. And it can be very dangerous because we're seeing that COVID-19 is taking the lives of people. And especially if you're in one of those uh, high-risk populations, it is dangerous. And so, of course, you would have increased anxiety related to that. So it's also the sense of uneasiness, distress, or dread before an event. So when you think about it in that sense, you may be anxious leading up to things like school starting for your kids and not knowing what it's going to be like. So you may feel uneasy or feel dread about it. It could also be thinking about if you have a big project coming up or for teachers getting ready for that first day of school in a new environment, a new incense world, and may have anxiety about that. So all of that would be related to it. And based on this definition, as you can imagine, anxiety is pretty common. It's actually the most common mental health disorder, um, and it affects more than 18% of the population. I would assume that at this point, it's probably a lot higher than that, but typically it's about 18% of the population. And believe it or not, this is actually more common in children than in adults. So for children, it affects about 25% of children between the ages of 13 and 18. So just let that sink in for a moment. That means for those of you who are educators teaching in middle and high school, one in four students in your classroom likely suffers from anxiety. And so I very much believe that as adults, we can serve as models for the children in our lives. And so knowing that this is more prevalent in children, it's going to be very important for us to use strategies that we know are going to work to support us in our anxiety so that we can be able to support the children in our lives in terms of their anxiety, whether it's taking information about how we typically know that we're going through some anxiety and using that to observe our children and make note of signs that they may be going through anxiety so that we can provide additional support in those moments or taking strategies that work for us and suggesting them to the children in our lives so that we can help them. So with that, how do you know that you are anxious? Well, there are several symptoms that you can look for. The first and foremost being excessive worry about future events. And I do want to preface this by saying, now when I'm talking about symptoms, I'm talking about not just everyday worry or everyday anxiety in a sense, but I'm talking about anxiety that is now more or less moving in the direction of a mental health disorder. And of course, we want to also examine these symptoms. Maybe you don't have an anxiety disorder at this moment, but your anxiety is increasing. And of course, we still want to address it at this point. And in terms of why that's so important, one of the reasons it's so important is because of your mental health, of course. Anxiety is also going to affect your physical body. 
So when you think about um, when you're under stress, because anxiety does lead to your body going through physical reactions of stress and it's prolonged, that's of course going to affect your body's ability to be healthy. It's going to affect things like sleep possibly and your eating habits and your heart uh, functioning. And so it is something that we want to make sure that we're addressing. So in terms of the symptoms, the first is excessive worry about future events. So if you find yourself thinking a lot about what's going to happen in the future to the point where it's preoccupying you, uh, whether it's that you're spending a lot of time just thinking about it and not doing other things, or uh, you find yourself thinking about it so much that it's affecting your relationships with others, that would be a symptom of anxiety. Also, feelings of panic or if you have physiological reactions. So some examples of those would be having sweaty palms, heavy breathing, uh, sleep disturbances, if you have trouble concentrating, and also if you notice a decline in your performance at work, or for your child, if you notice a decline in their performance at school. Also, changes in mood or withdrawing from relationships are also symptoms of anxiety. And as you can imagine, all of these things can happen to someone even who may not have a diagnosed anxiety disorder. The key thing here is if you're noticing any of these symptoms occurring in a way that it's affecting their daily living. So whether it's in you and you're noticing that you have these symptoms, but it's to a point where it's affecting your relationships, it's affecting your work performance, it's affecting, you know, your quality of life, you would then want to seek some help from a professional. So meeting with a counselor, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist, and talking with them about some of your symptoms to figure out whether or not, you know, it is a formal diagnosis of a mental health disorder, specifically an anxiety disorder. So in terms of if you are experiencing these symptoms, but it's not to the level where it's affecting your daily ability to function, what are some things that you can do about it? Well, the first is you can engage in relaxation strategies. So things like guided breathing exercises or guided imagery. So I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast. I use meditation apps, which is another strategy. You can use mindfulness exercises or meditation, but also with the breathing, it could be simply sitting in a quiet place and focusing on your breathing. So whether it's just breathing in and breathing out and just focusing on, you know, your stomach rising and falling with your breaths, that would count as part of this breathing exercise. And the main reason that mindfulness and things like breathing exercises work is because it gets you to focus in on the moment. A lot of times with anxiety, you're thinking about things that are going to happen. So you're focused on the future or you're focused on the things that you did that you wish you hadn't done or things you would wish you had done differently. And 
it's very rare that that anxiety is linked to something in the present and something that you're focused on in the moment. And so that gets you to just focus on the simple task of breathing or focus on the simple task of the person's voice that you're listening to in terms of you doing guided meditation. Another thing you can do is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, particularly your uh, physical self-care. So making sure that you're getting enough sleep, that you are exercising and that you're eating a healthy diet and that will help your body uh, to be in a good space. So for me, I'm thinking about back when I really had a hard time with anxiety and it is still something that I'm working through now, but there was a time where it got really bad and it was after I had my daughters. Well, it happened with my first daughter and then also uh, with my last daughter. And for me, a big part of it was the lack of sleep. So the fact that, you know, I was at that point waking up every two hours to feed them and things like that, it really affected my ability to really regulate my emotions well and to get out of my head. And so sleep is going to be key for this, as well as exercise and making sure that you're eating foods that are going to put you in a good space, not only physically, but also mentally. The next thing is being aware of your triggers and then also being proactive in finding ways to relieve anxiety. So for example, if one of the triggers for your anxiety is public speaking, then one of the things that you can do is be proactive in terms of maybe writing out what you want to say ahead of time, practicing it. If it's related to work, trying to organize your time in a way where you're able to get things done and you're not working up until the deadline to help with that anxiety. If you have anxiety linked to COVID, for example, trying to think through the different things you can do to help in protecting yourself. So maybe you have anxiety about going to the store and possibly getting uh, sick at the store. So in that case, you could think about doing grocery pickup where you just pick it up from the parking lot or having your groceries delivered, maybe another way that you can go about that. And thinking through just different ways that you can reduce the risk on your end because then it gives you the sense of power. Like I can do something about the situation that I'm in right now and that can help in reducing some of that anxiety that you may have. So I've talked a little bit about when you need to seek help, but I wanted to provide a little bit more detail. So we talked about how if it's significantly interfering with your everyday functioning or it's causing you any sort of distress, that would be a good time to reach out to a therapist or a counselor, or a psychologist, or psychiatrist. And then also when your anxiety lasts for several weeks or months, that's also a good time that you want to reach out. And I wanted to end this episode by just talking a little bit about my journey with anxiety as a way to help you kind of see it through a person. And then also to provide you guys with some hope because it is something that you can get support on. So I've always just been an anxious person. I remember being a child and being just anxious. And sadly, or maybe it's a good thing, I don't know, 
if you take a look at our society, our society actually rewards people for their anxiety. And I felt like I was especially awarded for this as a child. So though I was anxious, I was seen as conscientious. I was seen, seen as likable. People would describe me as hardworking, motivated, and ambitious. But what kind of fueled me to do the things that I did to get these titles was I was anxious. I always worried about people not liking me. And so I made sure that I was doing all the things I could to be likable. I worried about not doing well in school and not making my parents proud. And so that kind of fueled me in terms of um, getting the work that I needed to get done and making that my main focus, which then gave me those titles of things like hardworking. And that continued on throughout my school, my schooling. And I would say overall, I was functioning well. I wasn't in a space where I was under any uh, distress about it, but I, I was anxious, but not necessarily distressed. And it wasn't affecting my life in a negative way. But I would say um, when I got to graduate school, that I think was the ultimate trigger for me because in the past I was anxious, but then it was always rewarded. But then when I got to grad school, it's this place where you know, a lot of the focus is on critiquing your work and finding ways to make your work better. And so in a sense, the actions that I was doing to reduce that anxiety weren't necessarily working in the way I had hoped that they would work. And I was also at the end of my graduate school career. So within my last year is when I had my first daughter and I felt an overwhelming sense of anxiety after she was born. I remember I would just watch her breathe. I would stay up and just stare at her to make sure she was breathing. I was always worried about messing things up, that there was going to be some way that I was going to end up, you know, killing her unwillingly, meaning like she would go to sleep and just not wake up or I would forget to do something and then, you know, she would die because she was this little baby. and it felt overwhelming for me. And so for me, I felt like that was a place where I then needed to talk to someone. So I remember talking about this with my um, OBGYN at that time. And her response was basically, okay, well, it doesn't seem like you're depressed. And so you're fine. And so she more or less brushed it off. I think that that was probably a couple years before I'd heard about postpartum anxiety, because up to that point, the focus was more on postpartum depression. And so I somehow got through that. I didn't end up talking to another therapist about it, but I got through that time point. And then I would say with my second daughter, it was in a different space. We had moved, things were different. And so I I didn't necessarily fall into as much anxiety with her after that pregnancy. But then With my third daughter, again, at this point, I was already seeing a therapist because I had started a new position. I wanted to make sure that I was in a good space in terms of the transition. And I know transitions for me are hard and it does result in me being a bit more anxious. So I was already seeing a therapist. And so we were talking and like planning for this big trigger of like another huge life change of having a new daughter. We were getting ready to move. 
So it was just a lot of stuff that was gearing up to start. And I would say the first couple months were okay, but that sleep deprivation definitely kicked in and it did in the end increase my levels of anxiety. And so with that, you know, I worked with my therapist and, you know, we've come up, I think, with a good plan to the point where now I think I'm in such a better space in terms of anxiety. And I can see that I'm in such a better space because when COVID hit, if it was any other time and I hadn't been getting the support that I had and I hadn't been working on the strategies I had, I feel like that would have floored me. It would have been a situation where I would have been at home worrying about COVID all day, all night, feeling paralyzed, not moving forward with anything, just thinking about the worst possible scenarios. But I was in a space where, yes, it definitely increased my anxiety, but I was able to be in the moment and say, okay, what things do I need to do now? What can I do to start feeling better in this situation? And I say this also knowing that I worked on this with a therapist, so it wasn't just me coming up with this necessarily all on my own. There was some parts of it that because of the work that I'd done with her in the past, I was able to say, okay. But there were definitely times where she had to kind of reel me in and say, okay, Tia, what is it that we want to work on at this moment? And it has been a life-changing experience for me in that sense. And it has so prepared me for the current situation and the things that we're going through. And like I said, I still have moments of heightened anxiety, but I'm able to to more effectively use the strategies that I mentioned earlier in this podcast. And it has really helped me to be able to move through this time. And so for those of you that may be on the fence about seeing a therapist and about getting that additional support, I'm going to encourage you to definitely um, pursue this if you feel like in the current situation you are overwhelmed with those feelings of anxiety or if you feel like you're distressed about it or it's just, you know, affecting your life in a way you don't want it to affect your life. Please, please reach out to a therapist. You can find them on Psychology Today. I mentioned before Therapy for Black Girls is another site. If you need help, make sure that you are reaching out and getting the help you need. This is crazy times. And so with your children, with your students, taking some time to look, to really connect with them and see if you're noticing any of these symptoms as well. And connecting with their families, connecting if there's your child um, and you decide that, you know, possibly some additional support would be needed, definitely providing that. And if not a therapist, at least uh, taking some of the strategies that we talked about here or other strategies that you've used that have been helpful and providing those to the child, modeling it for them and giving them, you know, other options of ways to get through a time that has so much uncertainty and, you know, pretty much hitting all of the areas that could possibly cause anxiety. And that is it for today. Please take care and I will talk to you next time. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Please visit drtiabarnes.com for show notes. And while you're there, feel free to leave a note. I'd love to connect. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends about it. Don't forget to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Thank you to ColetteMcKenzie.com for providing podcast management services for this show. See you all next week. And as always, take care. Take care.